Welcome to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast from Discovery Park of America in Union City, Tennessee. This episode is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Tourist Development. Visit tnvacation.com to start planning your next trip to Tennessee. Thank you, Alexis. Welcome to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast where we explore the history, the people, and the culture of our home here in West Tennessee. I'm your host, Scott Williams. You may have heard that I have a new co-host here with me today. Alexis has joined us. Alexis, welcome to Real Foot Forward. Thanks, Scott. I'm glad to be here. So where where have you been uh, most recently? Tell us about where you came from. Well, I recently came from Docent Land here at Discovery Park, and I've I've worked my way up to social media manager, and now I get to be partners with you on the podcast. Fantastic. So you were a docent. Um, what was that like? Um, it was the most fun job I've ever had. I loved it a lot. Super fun. Hanging out with guests all day. Um, the Docent family really is a family. Now, we, you, you were hired before the summer. Mm. but you mm-hmm. could not start that is we, true and, but we were so impressed with you and we were willing to bid you farewell as you went off to a summer camp mm-hmm. to, to be a counselor all the way and, in pennsylvania and and so yeah tell me tell me about that i'm fascinated yeah so i was a docent um and i left for pennsylvania to work at a summer camp lake Brynmar camp in pennsylvania it's in honesdale which is a really small town but it's about t- two hours from new york and I was a group leader there where I, I was over an age group of girls um, and I was just a mentor for them throughout the summer. All of my girls were 13 and so I did that for a couple of months and it was my second and last summer. And then I came in as a social media manager here. So what what has been your most favorite part about working here? And how first of all, how long have you been here? Um, it's been officially a year, like since we're in October now. But how long, well, have, November you been, now. How long have you been just in the uh, position of social media manager? Uh, social media manager, I started in August, August the 23rd. Okay, so it's, it's been longer than I thought. So mm-hmm. what's been your favorite, what's been your favorite part of being the social media manager at Discovery Park of America? I think my favorite part is I love doing what I went to college to do. I love nonprofit work. Um, I love the experience that I get to have with people that I work with. I really do feel like everyone that I work with is for me, um, is helpful, is wanting me to be successful, is wanting the park to be successful. Uh, a lot of our values are aligning and you know, caring about the guest experience and people leaving better than they came in. So I think overall, I just love this job. I just love being here. Well, and we love having you here. Thank you. And so every podcast recording i'm going to ask you before we talk to our special guest what is something you have discovered this week at discovery park of america perfect absolutely what i recently discovered actually was during one of our moments of discovery with our docent manager michael larkin he was talking about how jupiter the planet has over 60 moons every day they're finding more moons but the thing about it is our graphic that we have on the wall on upper level in the space gallery we have a picture of Jupiter, but there's a little shadow in front of it, and the shadow is one of the moons. And the main topic of conversation around Jupiter is how it's difficult to capture a perfect image of the planet because there are always moons somewhere orbiting, so it's just interrupting the picture. I mean, I just think it's really cool that we have the little shadow on our graphic. It's a great talking point for kids and families that come in. 
Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. So um, I know you are uh, excited as I am to hear about our guest today. Today's guest here. It's also Veterans Day. So we thought what what a great day for you Heck and I yeah. to have a veteran um, on our show. Our veteran um, is Zach Elliott with Mad Cow Defenses. He's opened up a new shop here in Union City, but he's also um, he's also had a fascinating life. So welcome, Zach, and, and tell us a little bit um, about where you came from. Okay, so uh, we're originally, the Elliots are from, uh, most of us are still in Gadsden, Alabama, uh, where there's the Goodyear factory was, uh, and then when they opened the, this Goodyear, uh, my grandfather, that was like 69 or I think, uh, my grandfather got offered a position up here. He was the, uh, worked in the, the quality control, and uh, so him and my grandmother uh, moved up here back in 69, and from where? From Gadsden, Alabama. Gadsden, Alabama. Okay, they didn't have to move mm-hmm. too far. No, not too, not too far at all, but uh, just far enough, I guess. <laughs> uh, and so we, uh, they, uh, now we've, we've lived in the same home uh, right off Bethlehem, uh, where they're right, right where they're building the interstate now. Um, my mom, they had my mother and my uncle, and uh, I was born. Uh, mom had me very young. I was she was eighteen. Pops didn't. Uh, Really, they didn't get along, you know, 18, you know, and so uh, grew up for just me, my brother and mom pretty much. So y'all kind of all, y'all kind of all grew up together. Yeah. It's, and it's just like, like, we didn't go to Alabama much. They had like one family reunion, you know, uh, so it's just been, it's like, you know, grandparents, mom and uncle and then my brother. Where, so, where did you go to school? Uh, Ridgemont Elementary. And uh, well, my mom got married to, uh, got remarried and. He was in the Navy, so we went moved to Virginia Beach, and then we went to North Carolina for a little bit, and then but we eventually wound up back here. So I went to Ridgemont, Obion County. I tried Westview for a few months, but it wasn't. I was already an Obion County guy. So oh, wow, okay, yeah, you know that there's a uh, we're recording this on the day there's a big game tonight. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> between Obion County and Westview. I'm not from here, so I just hear about it from other people. Oh uh, well, uh, if West, oh, so I played football in uh, Obi County, and my entire four-year career there, I don't think we won a single game. Uh, I know my junior and senior year, we didn't win it. We had a great time, you know. We were all like, you know, great parties, and it was a lot of fun. But <laughs> we did not play very good ball. <laughs> so, um, well, I don't we're regret also it all we're also recording this on uh, Veterans Day, and so I know you're a veteran. Tell us a little bit about what motivated you to enlist and, and what, what your uh, military career was all about. Uh, so growing up, you know, without – I just like single mom, and she's like working good year, and like uh, – so it's just me and my brother a lot, and he's four years younger than me. So it's like that awkward age where he's like a little too young to be like, uh, you know, but not – you know, where he's not like I'm like an – I'm not having to like, like care for him, but – He's like doing his own, you know, it's just that odd. I was, I graduated and then he was a freshman, you know, but when we go home, we, I grew up in out in the middle of outside of Reeves. You know, I didn't have, my mom's working all the time. No one, I know friends lived within like anywhere close to us. So when I was 10 years old, my grandfather gave me a uh, 22 Marlin 60, 22 rifle. So I would just go, you know, roaming out into the wilderness and shooting at birds and cans and stuff like that. The gun would break because it was like an eighty dollars one we got at a gun auction. If I didn't fix this or couldn't figure out how to fix it, I don't get a, I don't have a gun anymore. Just started tinkering and 
getting that kind of caught on where I was like tinkering with like, I would start just taking things apart, putting them together, taking things apart, like my PlayStation and clocks and just like random things all the time, trying to take it apart, just put it back together. Graduated high school, tried college, wasn't for me. I got to do something exciting. At the time, you know, on the news, it's Afghanistan, you know, uh, fighting the Taliban and all this. Felt like it's, you know, it's a part of like every, every, all my, all the men and like my grandfather was in the army. Uh, my uh, father was in the military, the uncles or everybody served. So it's like kind of, a, you know, my responsibility at this point. And uh, so I tried Navy. I was never going to be a Marine. I don't have that like embrace the suck in me, you know, like, I mean, respect to the Marines. No, no, uh, but not for me. So I just wanted to shoot guns and like blow stuff up. You know, if I'm going to join the military, I want to do stuff that you can only do like in the military. And so join the army and they show you these little like trailers, uh, like, like a little like snippet of what the job might entail. And they showed the cab scout or cavalry, 19 Delta Cavalry Scout. It's like dudes are kicking in doors at night and shooting like tanks and Bradleys and all like, that. That's it. Like, I'm in. And so I did that for five years. Uh, I loved it. I went to a station in Fort Polk, Louisiana. Did a few deployments. The last one is what kind of ruined me was uh, to Guantanamo Bay for nine months to uh, like uh, that was during the whole um, when they did the Bergdahl trade for the five, you know, back then. Yeah. So, I guess there was like a threat from Russia or something. I don't know. And so they had an, we were the only active duty unit to ever before or since then, because we just messed all sorts of stuff up. But um, the army started changing after that. It went from more like we're training for war. It was like a band of brothers to very bureaucratic. um, You know, it's all about who you know and who you're impressing and stuff like that. And so um, decided that they were like, Told us no more deployments for probably for the rest of our lives. And I was like, all right, well, time for me to try something different. I uh, got accepted to UT Knoxville and went there for a few months. Again, school, I hated it. So I uh, started working. I moved to Chicago, tried to, I started working at a Lamborghini and Bentley dealership. So sold, you know, I'm also a car guy, you know, so selling the most beautiful cars in the world. And it's like the perfect, like, I don't have to buy the car. And then, you know, like, so I just get to ride around in them all day. Um, but the hours sucked. The bosses sucked. You know, even the customers are calling me like two in the morning because those Lamborghinis like tire went flat. I'm like, I'm the salesman. You know, like what am I supposed to call them? And which, which city was this? This is in Chicago. Well, it was Downers yeah. Grove, so the west west suburbs yeah. is uh, the sure. is where I was at in Downers. Yeah. Um, then uh, I met a girl, and uh, she was graduating medical school, and then COVID happened, and so there's nobody's buying exotic cars during covid and she got accepted to a school in california and i was like all right well, let's go and so moved to california in the middle of covid and it was perfect timing it was right when gas dropped like negative 40 dollars a <laughs> barrel of oil it's like 80 cents a gallon it was beautiful and so uh, got to cali and i lived there for three or four years and that's where i started getting into the guns because i'm a tennessee guy you know i don't uh, and an army you know i had a gun within arm's reach since i was 10 years old california is um it just felt very, I couldn't buy ammo. I couldn't do anything. You can't go to the stores or any of this. I'm not sure California resident and you do all these like, you know, these hoops to jump through. And uh, I can understand like in Chicago, Illinois has its own like a pretty strict gun laws, like the void cards like that. But I could understand the logic behind them. California, I could not, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. It just felt like I was just, um, I'm, I'm being opened up to being a victim here. And San Bernardino is where I lived. And that is a very uh, rough area i went to i want to go to the mountains right and so 
I didn't think about neighborhood safety, but with our first like two months there, there was a mass shooting at the Walmart. So like, all right. So kind of freaked me out. And, um, but I couldn't buy guns There's no way, no matter what, like it was just so many obstacles and stuff. It was going to be impossible. So I started doing the 80% and building, um, which is where kind of like mad cow was born. And, uh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I skipped a part here. Excuse me. Uh, when we went to start to pack, to leave, to move to California, uh, I didn't really know anything about California gun laws. I just, you know, the talk of the town, you just kind of know that like all this stuff is 10 round magazines, you know, like the, the base. Uh, so by the time the toilet paper pandemic happens, uh, is when I started to, we started packing up to get moved to California. And, um, so I'm looking at my safe or my, like, you know, I had too much of like a big walk-in closet just full of like gear and ammo and guns and, you know, um, I'm thinking all this stuff is going to get me uh, put in jail. So I don't want to get, she's just graduated medical school, right? She's got like, she's like hundreds of thousands of dollars in school debt and she's worked her, you know, like 10 years into this. So I don't want to jeopardize that for her. Right. Um, so start selling all this stuff and I'm just blown away with how fast and how much money, like people don't care. Like, they'll pay. I could have put like a $10 piece of plastic on there for a hundred dollars and someone would have bought it. And, like no questions. Like I'll take two. And so, uh, you know, it kind of launched it forward. And then also the COVID or the, the, the stock market crashed. And so I'm looking at Bitcoin and it's like $3,000 for an entire Bitcoin. And I've got all this money I just made from all these parts. So bought a Bitcoin and forgot about it for a few months. And, uh, you know, it's kind of made a few wise decisions. Um, but when I would come home, uh, like visit for like holidays and stuff like that, uh, you know, like Justin, uh, uh, there's another Mark Kissel, you know, a lot of buddies of mine. Mark Kissel is actually my very first, like, customer. Um, I shout out Mark. Hope he selects that gun, that paint job. But uh, from there, and it was like word of mouth. So now I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of, like, the, uh, the, you know, the bright colors and all that. I'm just kind of toning it back down now from getting all the excitement of, like, oh, like, I can do this and paint this and paint this. Um but now we're about to start to catch for, for people for people who don't um, know much about uh, guns or how they're designed or painted or whatever. Why don't you go into a little bit of detail about the uh, Sarah Cody? Is that how I say that? Uh, Sarah coat. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's powder Cerakote. coat, but it's got a yeah, so, yeah. It's a so for those folks at home um, who don't know a lot about painting guns, uh, tell us a little bit about I know that you're Sarah coat certified. Um, mm -hmm. tell, tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So, uh, there's a, well, for, there's a lot of hunters out here, especially for, I guess this podcast is going to be predominantly West Tennessee, real foot area. So a lot of these guys are going to know there's dirt coat, all these finishes, bluing you can put on your firearms. Well, uh, looking into like, what am I going to paint my guns? You know, I've spent a lot of money on my firearms. I don't want to just cheap out on the finish, you know? So uh, Cerakote is the industry leading, it's like the, the gold standard for, uh, you know, a durable finish. It's good for automotive parts, you know, aqua, uh, aquatics and, uh, you know, firearms specifically. Um, they, you know, they even have these YouTube videos where they like do uh, the, the time lapse and they like put like a, a, they'll put like a shotgun, they'll put one shotgun with a Cerakote, another shotgun, just like your standard bluing, you know, put it in the bottom of like the Atlantic ocean with a camera there and like time-lapse it. And it's just uh, phenomenal. Uh, the, the resistance it has to, you know, weathering and all. And so, so you started doing that with your own guns. 
yeah um, and I know you have a flair for design because i've seen i some do of and yeah i have and, an imagination yeah you, you're you've got you know a, a lot going on there when it comes to creativity and um so uh what was the first the first gun that you started working with paint wise um and and how did how did that creativity develop um, so the first gun I ever painted was a, uh, a six hour P320, the handgun, and then a uh, Smith and Wesson shield, the 40 cal. I painted the, the Smith and Wesson desert sand, and then I painted the Smith and Wesson, I painted it a robin egg blue or Tiffany blue, right? It was, uh, it came out, it was very, uh, difficult. So it's a, it's a process, right? You have to sandblast it and get a certain, uh, you know, finish on it. And you have to, you know, you gas to get all the oils out and you have to cook it in an oven and then you paint it and you have to paint it a particular way and mix it a certain way. And then you have to cook it again in the oven for, you know, to harden, uh, you know, to cure your, your finish. And then um, and that it's not until these like three hours, four hours have gone by, then you get your finished product and then you get to see if you messed up your paint job or not. Right. Um, so it took a few times getting the hang of it. I'm using like $10 Harbor Freight paint guns and just the cheap stuff like. Uh, we're literally putting it in my grandfather's like like kitchen stove, you know, uh, to like cure the uh, paints. Um, but he got it done, and uh, again, my my buddy Mark gives me a call, or he saw something on my Snapchat or social media, and he's like, "Man, I would like to get." He had a an old, that's like a nineteen eighties, um, you know, pre-band assault weapon, right? And it just needed some love. Painted it sand, and the thing came out marvelous. I even sent it to the company that makes them. And they like, what can they ask me for like the permission to use the photo for like, uh, you know, their products and stuff like that. And, um, so I took that as like a, you know, maybe I'm onto something here. Well, about that time, my brother went to, my younger brother, he went to UT Martin and he's a pie. He did everything I told him to like, don't join the army staff. Like this was a mistake. Like go to college and be a, join a fraternity, have fun. And so he did, but he, uh, he got a de his degree is in language. He's a, in Spanish. I think it's linguistics as a uh, you know, proper point lack of a better term spanish speaking right he just wanted to teach spanish so the whole time i'm like said she'd be like maybe like an accountant or go to like a biologist or whatever like who speaks spanish but no i just want to teach Spanish. <laughs> so then he gets out and he said and he calls me he's like hey i need to help like find like an online gig or some kind of tutoring you know like and we're trying to find and that's where it was like i got to witness it like helping him try to find like a you know get started I got to witness it firsthand. Like uh, people are on there from like Guatemala, like $5 an hour. They'll teach you how to do Spanish. And the people who are trying to pay like $30 an hour want to learn Spanish from someone who's like native tongue is Spanish, right? Not some redneck from West Tennessee. <laughs> and so it's a hard reality, you know, but like, I'm sorry, but, and I just crushed him. Right. And so I'm like, all right, Seth, like you're going to listen. And so I taught him like, look, we're going to teach you a trade. The Cerakote thing is a uh, new and upcoming. It's popular. People make it's good money to do a good job. And then you'll be a Cerakote, who, a, a Cerakote applicator who speaks Spanish, right? <laughs> like, so, um, you know, it's um, like, you know, the West Tennessee, we have a pretty respectable demographic of, uh, you know, Hispanic. And really, that's a, a, a like a large, a large customer base, a uh, portion of our customer base is uh, of the Hispanic community here. And it's all because, of, you know, uh, he works at La Cabana part-time still, and uh, they're all great people, so... Anyways, it worked out and he took to the painting like a fish in water. I mean, I would where I'm like learning how to like, you know, I'm like stiff and clumsy and goofy. Uh, man, he just had it flick of the wrist and I just yeah. let him take it on from there. And so he's actually the only one who's actually Cerakote certified. 
I'm just the gun guy. So I fix and tinker and like, you know, come up with the, or I'll tell him, Hey, let's do a star Wars theme on this one, or let's do Jurassic park theme on this one, or, you know, let's do the Nerf gun, something like that. But I could never, he just, he far surpassed me way early on. So let's back up to California. When I, when I last interrupted and diverted us, you were in California with the medical school girlfriend Psychiatrist. Um, psychiatrist. Yeah. Wow. Okay, great. Thanks, um, so doctor. Yeah, you go. <laughs> and so you're going to end up back in West Tennessee. So uh, what happened to get you back home? Uh, well, I was just going to and fro, um, like to kind of like, um, you know, make sure everything's staying organized and uh, you know, update the inventory, make sure, you know, the if there's any like tools or improvements, I come in like build a an extra room as like sandblasting room or whatever it is. Um, but then uh, the laws started to change in California, and I, the original plan was to set up two locations: one in here in Tennessee to just do Cerakote and gun smithing and all this, like what we have now, and then the one in California would be all the parts and 80s that just kind of because it's you can't get guns there. They're, they're basically the way they've like they've gone around it. It's practically impossible to get a firearm so the 80 percenters are huge there so that was the original idea but then they banned 80 percenters and so i couldn't even get like what was just on our regular um like on our website orders and all i can't get my distributors to like ship them to me and so and then about the time um yeah ethan is our the landlord um uh, well it's nailing you know i don't know if you know the nailings but um he was a customer of ours. And so I'm just talking to him and telling him like, you know, the problems like oh, I've like banned all my, I can't like get any products here. I've got to figure something out. He's like, you know, I've got this location that we're like refinishing right now and it's almost done. And, you know, I'll give you a good deal and y'all you know, set up right here in downtown. And if you're interested, like you can check it out. And so, so for anybody who doesn't know, uh, the whole section of uh, downtown union city is being developed with apartments and uh, retail and so I guess they must own that building that you're in as well. Um, great folks. Uh, love having them in yeah. the community. Ethan's a great and, guy. And so you, um, are you living back here in West Tennessee now full time? Yeah. yeah uh, so she's uh, my uh, girlfriend at the time. Uh, she was from California, which is why she's like, you know, she was going for colleges out there. Gotcha. So she was very, uh, she was, um, uh, Asian, right? And so they're very now, firearms and guns just never has ever been a part of their culture. And her parents didn't speak a lick of English, like they were. She was like a first generation and all. So um, I mean, they're great people and all, but it's like they don't they didn't understand the guns, they didn't appreciate it, and it started kind of becoming where it snowballed into. I've never taken a paycheck out of this. Everything like this is just my heart and soul. Everything I've ever been or ever had is all in this. And so uh, the parts and all just started getting everywhere, you know, there's just clutter. And uh, it was, it, it was like, um, you know, it's uncomfortable, right? Because there's like gun parts and boxes and shipping and tape and just like, you know, bubble wrap and stuff just everywhere. And sure. I'm constantly like running around looking for stuff and keep getting phone calls all day and trying to build websites. I never built a web, you know, like that was the hardest thing I've ever done. Uh, but I, I, you know, figured it out. So started putting a lot of strain. I'm going to come out here and do this, maybe take a break. And it just, you know, uh, the way that things go sometimes. So yeah. no hard feelings or anything like that. Uh, but it's just, this is where my path took me. And 
So you're back Jeez. here living in West Tennessee, and you've opened this store. Talk a little bit about the challenge, because there's a lot of people listening that have interest in a variety of areas, and they are yeah. thinking, I wish I could open a store, and honestly, tell them how they could. Um, well, uh, opening a store is okay. I would Opening a gun store is a completely different echelon of not okay. It's um, – there's the licensing well just the waiting period you know like you, i applied for our license like march and i didn't get a call until october so i was like pretty much took a year just to get to the inspection process and of, of like getting uh maybe we get the license then it took like two months after all that to for the license to show up and then there's a whole new learning curve of like all these new gun laws and like how you're supposed to like you know uh conduct transfers and log thing and it's just and it's all the, if you mess them up, like, you know, they have kind of like these, uh, it's like everything's like a 10 year prison sentence with $250,000 fine. So it's like, you know, kind of nerve wracking yeah. where you don't want to mess, you don't want to mess that up. <laughs> right. So, um, and then, you know, the, like my PayPal account got shut down. They shut down my personal and business account. Um, they don't really, it's like kind of arbitrary. Like you can't like argue that, uh, they, they it's just whatever it happened, happened. Sorry. And Venmo, uh, eBay, like a lot of the online outlets are very, but you know, and I, I, I can, again, I can understand the logic because you do have like criminal, that's where the criminals, it's the risky business is the online realm, but um, that's the future of, you know, especially during COVID, you know, um, even now, so like, I'd say like 70% of our business is online. Um, really, the, I just, this is just, uh, I'm only here, I'd like, I prefer to be out in the county where I can shoot guns and it's not so much, uh, you know, risk involved, but. Um, just the way it went, but, uh, uh, as long as you get your licensing and you do, I was, I've never had any, I don't have any, no one taught me anything about business. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not took algebra one, like three times in high school. I just never, it just doesn't click for me, you know? Um, but if you just do, I just do good business. I treat people the way I would like to be treated. I give it my, I get every project, every customer comes in, I give them my hundred percent effort. You know, no, no shortcuts. If we come out, something's wrong. We start over and do it again until it's right. And um, that's all it really took to, uh, I mean, the proof is in the pudding here. You know, I, we haven't necessarily made it yet, but uh, in just a matter of like a year, year and a half, uh, I feel like we've come a long way from like, you know, the corner of grandpa's shop to uh, <laughs> like in our own location and uh, where we are today. Uh, I never dreamed of it would ever be. I can remember when I first got that, like applied for the EIN and that got my eBay store going. I was like, all right, if we can make $5,000 a month, I'm a happy man. Like we'll be okay. And we blew that away in like the first like six months where I'm, and I'm so every, since then, I'm just like, I have no idea what to, I'm just like holding on for the ride, you know? So, <laughs> well, and, and you mentioned one thing that was interesting to me, to me when I was in there is you mentioned that a lot of times people will come in with old antique guns you know, oh, yeah. it's not all yeah. about new technology and uh, Cerakote. It's also about uh, tinkering around with with vintage guns, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, so there are we do get some and uh, unfortunately, some of them are not worth the what it would cost to try and get them back to new. Uh, really, if it's like a family heirloom or something, we'll like fake it together. So it looks good. It doesn't actually work, but it looks like it might work. And then you just like hang it up. Right. Um, but I believe that there is a, um, you have to go back to your roots to kind of like, uh, get your, you know, get the imagination kicking. Um, and then uh, specifically in like the pre-fan era, like the late 80s, mid to late eighties there, 
the Tech Nines, the Mac Elevens, the the Uzis, all, all these firearms. Uh, they were they're such bizarre designs and uh, strange mechanisms. They just look like you know some of them even look like they're from outer space, from a different time. Um, and then that kind of I think that momentum got snuffed out uh, with the '94 ban, the assault weapon ban, and it just so now here we are, you know. Uh, still dealing with ARs, AR-15s and uh, Glocks, so the guns that have been out for 40, 50 years. And um, I can't think of any other like, – uh, uh, I mean, the true dream would be like if I could figure out how to like come up with like an electric gun, like a lightning bolt gun or some kind of ray gun or, you know, ultra sonic boom blaster, you know, some kind of crazy space gun. Uh, but that would take like quantum physics and things that uh, I'll probably never have with a, a grasp on to – well, never, never <laughs> so, say never, never say never. No, no, uh, but uh, <laughs> the, the goal is that if I can at least inspire with paint jobs and like the cool ah, uh, like uh, inspire like a child who like maybe some kid walks by and sees like some cool fancy gun, and that's what like lights the the sparks the flame for that kid to be the one who creates like the the lightning bolt gun. I'm happy. Like that's that's cool. I just think that we have self landing rockets, self driving cars. We should have. Uh, firearm technology is is like falling behind here we had somebody's got to keep moving it forward so so when we get we're going to take a quick break and when we get back i'm going to ask you i'm going to ask oh the dog said hello i'm going to ask you a, a little bit more about creativity so we'll be right back Looking for a family-friendly vacation destination? No matter what you like, you can find something to love in Tennessee. Visit Tennessee for the mountains, the music, the rivers, the food, the attractions, and so much more. Visit tnvacation.com to start planning today. I hope you're enjoying the Real Foot Forward podcast from Discovery Park of America. If you are, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a positive review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you download your podcasts. This is Scott Williams, your host, and today we're chatting with Zach Elliott, one of the mad lads. So, Zach, I want to um, talk a little bit. I, I read on your website where you referred to you and your brothers as the Mad Lads. Uh, you got great T-shirts. I actually bought a T-shirt when I was in there. Um, I went to a ribbon-cutting ceremony, and I wasn't even really sure what I was coming to. But, you know, I loved the creative energy and the creative spirit and entrepreneurship that that you guys um, uh, put out there. So tell talk to us about the creative spirit that you clearly have um just naturally did you take journalism or advertising or any classes like that in college no i took uh i was a uh, forest trees where i started um but uh I, I learned fast that when you try to so, like I'm, like camping i'm just an outdoors guy when you try to turn something you love into a like a, a job um especially a, not a very well-paid job and all it kind of made me i didn't want to go outside at all and so try to shift gears and went into it um thinking like, oh, I can work from home. I'm like looking for work-life balance at this point, you know, uh, work from home, uh, I can you know, work wherever, you know, COVID happened. I'm like, oh, this is going to be perfect. But then I started getting into the coding, the Python and the thing, and just does not compute. And so I, I can, I'm great with anything I can put my hands on, but can't, you know, I'm like, uh, you've seen Zoolander where like, uh, they're out there like beating up the computer in the, like it's inside. That's how I feel like a, you know, a caveman when it comes to computers. So uh, switched, uh, but I was already kind of committed at this point. I'm like, like a junior and, 
So the only really uh, one that would have been a smooth transition and like, oh, you're going to have to start over was business uh, business management systems, which was like QuickBooks and um, like, you know, uh, the websites and how to like work um, like online sales funnels and, uh, you know, CRMs and, you know, things like that, uh, which actually proved to be quite helpful <laughs> uh, a little bit. There's a whole lot of aspects like profit and loss and, you know, things like that you get and like market. You got to like test the market to see before you just like, you know, full sends all your money into one thing. And so where um, did the name of your business come from? Okay. So uh, when I was a kid, right. So uh, my uncle was a huge, like uh, zombie before zombies were cool. Right. Like, um, like, I mean, he would, and they, my mom would force us to watch like Halloween and Friday night, uh, 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 um, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th, you know, all the classic uh, horror films. I mean, I can still remember to this day, like laying in bed, like terrified uh, <laughs> and like mom's like cackling, you know, like, uh, like it was, but it, you know, eventually it sinks in. And so that's just kind of where we're playing like Resident Evil games together for the family, like, you know, Christmas time, everybody gets together. We're playing like, you know, the, the scary video games or uh, doing, you know, and then zombies started kind of becoming a little more mainstream and, um, You've seen that there's a movie, uh, Zombieland, with like Woody Harrelson. Sure. Um, right. So that one is actually like a, my favorite zombie movie, just uh, where it's like family fun and, you know, kind of checks all the boxes of what would be, you know, realistic as far as a zombie apocalypse would go realistic. But uh, that in Zombieland, the zombie apocalypse there started because of a mutated strain of the mad cow disease. And if you look at mad cow disease, it is like a fungus that affects the brain. And, it, you know, like, so it is kind of plausible how that could just like uh, mutate into like a human born virus and then we'd have zombies. And so uh, it was so originally mad cow was supposed to be like a doomsday prepper store um, where like, cause the code, you know, I'm thinking like toilet paper pandemic, I'll just buy a bunch of like, you know, like uh, angel soft and stuff like that. And uh, hand sanitizer, like little knickknacks and uh, compasses and fishing line, you know? Um, but the, the 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 there was no demand for that stuff at that point the demand was guns <laughs> and, uh, and so uh we just we just went with the way of the people and uh just turned into fancy guns and just starting to get as creative and what's what's something you don't see like uh because i don't have enough uh, so we're completely homegrown uh, bootstrapped i haven't i don't have any loans i don't owe anybody any money uh, this is all natural growth that we've just done um but to do that i have to like avoid competition right like i can't uh, i can't compete with guys who do have this, uh, this kind of capital uh where they can buy you know a, a hundred of these items and uh they can sell them for less than what i'm paying for them at, at a wholesale um so i had to get creative you know like um all right well if i can't if i can't beat them beat their price i'll beat the value you know what i mean um, i'll add value to my product and that way it's worth the money so i'm not doing this for free and um that's still the trick really is to stay ahead of that trend, right? Like what's going to be, you got to be the trendsetter or like kind of uh, pay attention to, you know, what's um, where, and then I might, I, I guess I just have a personal, all my guns I built for myself, like my personal firearms. It's, it's, it's become like a curse uh, from the very first one. I build it. I spend months like planning and getting it, painting it and putting all the little parts on it together and, uh, as soon as I get it together, I'll have it for like maybe a week and somebody will come by and offer me just, they'll just take whatever price I throw at. I just can't talk them out of it. And so, <laughs> yeah, to this day, I still don't have a, like, I still, I'm just using like a loner gun because I keep <laughs> building mine. People come by and buy, uh, it's happened like 10 times now. 
so, so it's you, you know you've got, a, you've got a talent for building guns who did your logo did you do that too uh, uh so this one we actually had a different logo that i personally preferred but when uh we started gearing up to move to downtown union city the demographics going to change not just like online website orders i'm going to have like an older uh you know community here and i don't want to like uh this just i so i kind of like simplified it you know i've learned in custom work that sometimes a lot of the times less is more and so simplified it i, I did i had this idea right it's like a like, i want like a like a diamond with, a, with an angry cow you know um but i just passed out the the actual drawing and design of it to a freelance guy and um we went back and forth for a few weeks but uh i know it doesn't look like this would be something you argue for someone for a lot a few weeks for but uh, oh, it no. had to be very i'm very particular with what you know yeah. <laughs> i'm so. sure all my graphic designer friends out there you know definitely understand going back and forth you know over <laughs> yeah. over design because it is important and so i mean you guys have apparel now and you know um you're right there in, in uh, downtown union city and i'm sure a lot of people are stopping by just to see what the heck what the heck you're doing in there yeah they are and we as much as i appreciate everyone coming by and stopping in and checking out and i love showing off the you know what we got going um it's just me and my brother in here and like right now working and we are working non-stop i i literally sleep in here some nights where i'm just trying to just like keep people you know i don't want people waiting around for months you know weeks at a time for you know we're trying to keep take care of our people and um so I've actually here lately, I've had to close the store due newer now operating on appointment only since that ribbon mm. cutting really uh, almost like I tell the chamber, like I bit off too much uh, more than we could <laughs> chew. I, I need to find help. Honestly, I really do. But um, yeah, well, yeah, another chamber ribbon cutting is where what I came to um, <laughs> and to be completely honest. I mean, I was in a hurry and I just looked at my calendar appointment and I went, I thought I was going to a lab where they were doing something to try to fight mad cow disease. So uh, imagine my <laughs> surprise. Um, I certainly <laughs> expect to buy a t-shirt. So um, no, it's appreciated. It really that. is. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, the support we've gotten from uh, the community is overwhelming. Again, it's like every step of everything. It's like, uh, so we have like, the, there's so many local businesses, uh, like Falcon six is a, is a local guy here. And I mean, everyone's been, I would have never dreamed of this since bringing a, there's a community out there of like gun guys and like people who are just like, you know, uh, you know, whether they're constitutional, like the fit, you know, uh, the second amendment guys, or they're just like guys who like to tinker or dudes who just like seeing stuff blow up. Um, I've learned that there's a community out here that has not been, uh, there's no centralized location. We don't have a hub, you know? So there's like every guy comes in, Oh, me and like two of my buddies or high school buddies or some golfing buddies or some guys I work with. So I'm hoping that I can turn this into like a collective, almost like open this up like uh, cover fees on Friday nights and everybody comes in like a swap meet or something and yeah. kind of bring the community together. So just to, and I'm also trying to figure out how I can repay this. Uh, I feel so, I'm extremely grateful. I went and met with our police chief yesterday, the day before yesterday, like trying to like laser engrave your guns, something we can do to like, I feel like give back. Because uh, I'm just overwhelmed. I never expected any of this. So. Yeah, no, that's that's great, and and your success is why I wanted to make sure we got you on the podcast because I know you're doing some really cool things over there. So thank you so much. If somebody wants to learn more about what you're doing, where should they go? Um, you can uh, best bet is to call uh, because we're running around here nonstop all day. Uh, I'm sure Alexis can attest to that. Or it took me forever to get uh, to realize get her, her emails going back and forth. Um, but and what's your, what's uh, your website? The website is uh, you know madcowdefenses.com. Uh, you call us 
uh, 731-507-0690 or send us an email at support at madcowdefenses.com. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. And thank you to all you listeners who've joined us at Discovery Park of America. Our mission here is to inspire children and adults to see beyond. To plan an experience here for you and your family, visit discoveryparkofamerica.com. Discovery Park of America.